1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Well, hello and welcome again to the Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast. And as always, every two weeks, we like to drop this on you. I'm here with Steve McVeigh. Good morning. The chief and grand poobah of the Dirt Roads Network. Yeah. <laughs> I like Grand Poobah. That's Grand what Poobah. I've always wanted. There, there's my question that's, for the that's day. That's better than right. Steve-O. I, I have teams call that. me Steve-O. Okay. And Michael Houle, who is not Chief and Grand Poobah. <laughs> that's not what he is. But he is he is the um, the patriarch, the, the yeah, no, the patriarch of, yeah, of rural vineyard church movement. I, I travel vineyard. around church planting yeah. circles. And yeah. any conference I'm at, if I talk to a vineyard person, yeah. I say, hey, do you know Michael Houle? And they're like, oh, yeah, he's the greatest guy ever. I'm I serious. Wow. I get that all the time. I'll, 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 I'll make sure I get those bribes coming to those vineyard pastors. Continue. I'll give you a list of people. <laughs> Charlie Cotterman <laughs> always oh, speaks yeah. well of you, man. I was uh, I was at a vineyard church, and there was actually a stained glass window with you in it. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually Peter. I, you felt, you just, I think you that missed. was Peter. Uh, I felt a little strange <laughs> looking at it and thinking, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I see why I'm that old. <laughs> why yeah. do you guys listen to this podcast? I, I'm trying to figure this out. Hey, so I have a question for you because we're going we're going to lean into this today. We've been uh, discussing, I guess, uh, the lack of a better way to say it. We've been discussing what what next. You know this uh, this period of church movement has has been on us for a while. Uh, I referenced uh, Robert Coleman in 1961. He started prognosticating fall of the modern church in America, not not negatively, but speaking into true discipleship. And then as a result of that, um, you know, we've been launching down this path of saying, okay, so what do we do with this? How do we move forward? Uh, how do we not lean on the things that, that we always do? How do we discern uh, what really God wants from us uh, in and emerging from this uh, time. And I don't know what we'll ever call this time. Steve, you made an interesting point this morning about, you know, the, the seasons that we're going through, and you likened it to going through several historical pieces in American history. Yeah, because like, I think I think we need to say right up front, we sort of felt checked by the Holy Spirit with where we were headed, and yeah. that's what's led, yeah. and, and we have a, a, a maybe a word today. Yeah. But if you think about it, in a way, we're going through a civil war. In a way, we've experienced Vietnam. We have experienced the 1918 pandemic. Uh-huh. I mean, it goes on, and, and, and we're possibly looking at the Great Depression. At the very least, something economically has shifted. Maybe we're with stagflation. I mean, there's all of those, but we've experienced all those things at once, not over 100 years. 
And so culture is shifting and and that it's there. But Doug, what word did the Lord give you as we were talking this in that last podcast? I was like, okay, what are we supposed to be talking about? Yeah, I just want to thank Steve for that word. And thank you for joining us at the Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast. We're going to leave. Be encouraged. We're out. (laughs) We're out on that one. So if you're not depressed, Uh, we helped you get there. uh, So I think that part of this is romance, okay? I think that uh, this is what I've uh, said about romance. Romance is not intimacy. It is not love. Romance is looking at someone and saying, if in the right hands they did everything I wanted, this is who they could become, you know? And uh, yeah, I know. Does so, your wife listen to this podcast? She does. Oh, and sorry, Don. She created that tag. She thought, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's, that is romance. Romance is not intimacy because it, it exists on an illusion of the past or an illusion of the future. Mm. And I think that we're, uh, we're going to speak about that a little bit. Has there been an issue as we launch into this discussion today? Uh, is, has there been something that you were uh, maybe romantically, I don't know, uh, yeah, romantically attracted to, not in a love sense, but as a child, <laughs> you thought, hey, this is it. I, man, this is, this is what I envisioned being an adult or this is, this is what I, this is awesome. And then you went back as an adult and you saw it and you're like, that was not that good. Well, I think, you know, for me as a child, I hated bedtime. Like I couldn't stand it. I mean, Mm. and and if you don't familiar curfews that existed where you had to go be in the house by a certain time, had those rules as well. Ours was like, it got dark. You had to get into the house Mm -hmm. and then you had a bedtime. And I thought I cannot wait not to have a bedtime, not to worry about sleep. I don't need sleep. I'll be fine. Well, the funny thing happened when I got to college and thought, oh, this is the freedom I've been waiting for. All I wanted to do was sleep. And the older I get, the biggest focus of my life sometimes is when is my bedtime so I can go to bed. They refer to that as the the mono outbreak of every college campus in your freshman year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably very true. Oh I think I have a I have a hard time thinking of it as romance, but I can remember as a little kid, my mom and dad would take us down and I was I was um, entertainment deprived as a kid. We didn't have a television, you know, so um, we didn't have a one eyed devil in our home. My goodness, the the world that the, the church I was raised in didn't let us. T- anyway, that's a whole other story. I'm going to go see my psychiatrist and talk about that someday. But anyway, we would go down to Greenfield Village and the Henry Ford Museum, and I would be awestruck. I mean, you know, it seemed like those steam engines were so big and all that kind of stuff. Well, then I went back, oh, I don't know, five, six years ago. And it was cool. You know what I mean? I mean, there there were some neat things there. But it wasn't nearly, I mean, like, like I, I was expecting my kids to be awestruck. And I'm just looking around, I'm thinking, yeah, eh, it's sort of like the, I, I don't know. I just, it wasn't what I thought it was. Uh, that's that's really interesting. I think fairs are like that. Uh, but the, the yeah, thing, circus. For, yeah. I mean, you go and you're like, wow, I I'm so depressed right now. I went uh, I, I went not too long ago. We did an event uh, where we did a game night. You know, we thought that'd be fun, just kind of an extra thing. But we have so many students, and and so we had to you know buy tons of games for this game night. And I was walking through Walmart, and I realized, man, I can't believe it. But this particular game is only $9.99. I'm like, 10 bucks. 
I'm, seriously, steal. yeah, it's a steal. It was Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Rock'em Sock'em <laughs> Robots, 10 bucks. I'm like, this is, this, man, I wanted this game so badly. That and Hungry Hungry Hippo. Ooh, that's well, a good one. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But uh, <laughs> We're not but, talking about food today. No, Rock'em Sock'em <laughs> Robots. And so we set it up and we thought, we're going to play this until the kids get here. Like we set up two games and two boxing rings and... Uh, and my guy was a tomato can. He got knocked out about every three minutes. I was trying to figure out how to super glue the head down. It was so disappointing. I'm like, this game, this game's terrible. It doesn't last long enough to be fun. And if you get the blue guy, you always get knocked out. And the red guy, like, there's a trick to it. And if you just jam the handles really hard, everybody's heads come off. So it was so depressing for me. And I went, I'm never playing this game again. I'm never playing this game. You still play it, though, don't you? I do with... Uh, with junior hires. <laughs> I go, I'm the blue guy. <laughs> so where are you going with this? Where right. are you going with this, man? Let me read a quote uh, for you, and then I'm going to read a scripture, and we're going to launch into a concept here. If you're familiar, Keith Green had a song uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s called So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. And I think that there is an issue here um, we keep on looking back on the yesteryears and we say, those were the good old days. I wish we could go back and we, you know, we're sounding old. Turn back time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. The good old days. Yeah. I quote Keith Green from the 80s and Steve goes to 21 Pilots. That's right. So yeah. there we go. Because he's, I am the hip one. He's relevant. Well, we so, used to play pretend. Yeah. <laughs> I better so, stop. I'll stop. So, I'll start saying all it right. Too. Let me read this quote. It's less fun than yours, but it says this. Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen, they alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon earth. Mm. That was John Wesley. John Wesley said that, and he said that around, uh, when was John around? 1790? Somewhat, something like you're asking yeah. a Wesleyan yeah. when John Wesley was around. Yeah, right, I that's my no point. No idea. Yeah, 1790. <laughs> so right before the right before the Great Awakening, around the turn of the century, 1800. Right. Yeah. Uh, John Wesley was one of these guys who's quoted, and um, uh, this was the Great Awakening. I'm guessing maybe this is even uh, the English Great Awakening. So here's my point. He says, "Give me a you know, just give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin," and and I'm like, wow, wow. He doesn't say, give me a strategy. He doesn't say, give me, give me an exit plan. And it dawned on me, uh, maybe a little bit, how often God said, and we, we referenced this uh, a little while ago in 2 Corinthians, but I, I, I came back to, uh, I was doing my devotions in Exodus, and I came across the passage again that reminded the children of Israel that God wanted to walk among them and be their God and you'll be my people. Mm-hmm. And he, the first time he says it is before they walk into the desert. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take them long before they say, we'll go back to Egypt. And I wonder if God hasn't been saying, look, I want to awaken in you this all-dependent uh, heart for me, this desire for me, and I'll walk every step with you. Mm-hmm. But we don't want that. We want a map. <laughs> we want yeah. a map. And I want a magic bullet. I want I a mean, magic things, bullet. Things right. are not nice. where they used to be. Doug, could you tell me the three things that I can do 
in order to get ministry back to the way it was yeah. in 2019. Yeah. Is, it, yeah. is it like the Matrix? Yeah. It's, <laughs> right. There's a code, right? It's a secret code. It's the Da Vinci Code. You read scripture backwards. and I, um, So here's the thing. I, I, I want to jump into this a little bit because it's going to set the stage for the next, next podcast. There is no sil- silver bullet. And I think that God is saying, will you walk with me today? Will you fear sin? Will you, will you speak truth? Will you do the things that I've always asked you to do? And it seems to me like everybody is prognosticating the gloom and doom of the church. I got news for you guys. The church doesn't lose. And right. we're right. acting as if it's going to. Yeah, read the end of the book. It's, it's pretty good in the Bible. What happens? Read all the way through yeah. the book. Yes, there are challenges and there, there are hurdles. So I want to jump into that concept. Do you think that there were some things that were wrong with the church before the pandemic happened? No, it was perfect. <laughs> and according to John Wesley, who, according to Wikipedia, was born in 1703 and died in 1791. Okay, I said yeah. 1790, didn't I? Hey, you did. Yeah, you I did. did. Okay. You did much better than your Wesleyan friend did. <laughs> the truth is, is that there were, if anything, all that COVID has done is it has revealed and exaggerated like all of these things that have that we talked about, you know, the the discord in our country, you know, all, you know, all those things that I talked about a few minutes ago, all they've done is they have revealed and impossibly exaggerated what was already there. I mean, it really hasn't changed anything. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was. Uh, I think it sped the process up. If, if you want my own opinion, all these things were starting to occur years ago. And usually what a crisis will do will speed things up. And, and that reality for us in the church and what the struggles are, I think it sped the reality up of who we were, what was already happening, and just brought it to a head quicker. Yeah. Is that possible with the sovereignty of God to speed something up? Or, or can we say that this is the will of God? Well, I, I think it's the will right? of God that he yeah, sped yeah. it up. I, I, but I think for us in our minds, I think we were like, this is a decade away. You're asking a Wesleyan about the relationship <laughs> in between the free will of God or the free will of man and the sovereignty of God. Well, we got, we got, we got, yeah, we have some yeah, that, interesting... That's a whole other... Theological right, people a whole season here. of podcast. Right, right. But you get what I'm saying. I, I think the process of what I was witnessing, because I think that reading the tea leaves or seeing what God was doing and... Prophetically, I was hearing people say this before COVID. Yes, uh, that these things were going to happen, and it was always like five to ten years, five to ten years, and I was said, "Oh, I guess it's going to be a year and a half." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so one of those things, I mean, just to talk about some of those things that have been revealed and exaggerated for rural churches. One of them is that many rural congregations have lived for years with a survivalist mentality, and I, I'm not talking about, you know, like hoarding stuff and buying guns. I'm talking about deci- like survival was success and every decision that we would make would be about our survival first. I think that's been revealed and for many now the panic is are we going to survive? Okay, and th- this is interesting Steve. Point. So part of the part of the rural mindset is survivalist. Absolutely. I so, mean, my yeah. my my cabinets are stocked. I c- I could live probably I'm I'm dead <laughs> yeah. serious. I could live for a year. But an agrarian mindset, you know, like if you right. if you go to the um, Roham um, Missionary Association and get some of their training, even about like the the cosmopolitan person versus an agrarian person, I do some teachings like that too. 
survive like a a farmer makes that survival is the goal mm. you know and then anything that's better than that is gravy and and i think here's the thing that limits churches from actually being on mission and for some churches what this has done is they were sort of bunkered down before yeah and this has hit that nerve and so rather than seeing COVID-19 is an opportunity to minister to your community in new ways. It was an opportunity to bunker down. And I just think if that's where you are, you you are missing mm-hmm. the mission of God. Yeah. Yeah, survival's yeah. not the objective. It's not the no. objective. Yeah. But I but we've heard people say we're just going to we're, we're going to hunker down, yeah. wait till this blows over and passes over. And I come back to the fact, has that ever happened? I mean, has that ever happened? Did it just re- did it ever just return back? Did did World War Two just return back to same old, same old? After? Like, like was it before? Like yeah, and yeah. the answer is no. Yeah, cataclysmic changes. Well, but yeah. of any storm, yep, any storm like a hurricane, a tornado, the damage it does, and you you hunker it down, you come out, and it's, the world around you is never like it was before. And sometimes that's, I mean, destruction is never great. I'm not saying that, but I think the reality of what God is doing in the process, the beauty of the World War II analogy is what happens out of World War II for a lot of the countries in the Western world. They, they blossom, but they had to take a whole different perspective they had to change yeah. what they were doing. And so maybe what, what we're saying, like, as we think about, okay, we, we've been trying to give, like, we want this podcast to be practical. And it seems like this season, everything we've talked about has sort of been like, you know, just thinking about concepts. So here's a here's a practical thing. If your church was about survival and self-centered before, and now it's extremely self-centered and has yeah. hunkered down, yeah, it's time to confess and repent. Because that is not of faith, and it is not why. I mean, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell are not offensive weapons. You guys know this. I mean, come on, pastors. Right. We preach okay. these sermons. But this, this doesn't give us license to critique the church down the road. This is an internal evaluation. I, yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's part mm. of the deal. I, I don't just want it. I don't just want to evaluate me. That's too hard. I want to look at every other church and figure out what they're doing wrong because that's how I survive. I feel better about myself if they're all doing worse. Yeah. And, it, and it becomes an issue of trust, doesn't yeah. it? Do we trust God yes. for what he's promised us or not? Because We, I we think better. It, well, but I mean, I mean, I think seriously, pastors, and I think we can all put ourselves in that spot at times. Yeah. I mean, this is not a critique of saying, hey, you should, because I can speak as a pastor of my moments of lacking trust. Yeah. But I think what has healed us off a little bit is, can we trust God with the new thing he is doing? Yeah. And can we, so like you think about just like if survival is success, let's talk about what we're seeing in the field. Here's what we're seeing in the field. There are a lot of rural churches who are partnering now with other churches. We're seeing mergers. We're yeah. seeing churches become satellites of larger churches. And, and some, some of us could like shrink away from that and my thought would be, is it if it helps us become more offensive, like as, you know, not offensive, but like on offense, <laughs> if it helps right. us become more missional, then we should do it. Hmm. We are seeing other churches close. 
And so I could look at those other churches that close and I can react to that in two ways. I can say, well, we need to hunker down and make sure that we're not one of those churches that close or else we can say, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down with a blaze of glory. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to change our community and reach out to our community. Yeah. I I think this is, uh, this is great stuff. I know that, um, I know that Mike, you, you closed down for a season. Yeah. Uh, Steve, did you close down for a season at yeah. all? Oh, yeah. yes. And our church did too, right? Yeah. We didn't at first. Yeah. Because, you know, national stuff was going on and it wasn't like we had less than 1% of our right. population. Same here. But then right around Thanksgiving, we had people start dying all around us. I mean, it, yeah. it oh. hit us and we closed we, down. We had the Easter close for us personally yeah. here. But what happened for us is we we had to adjust multiple times. And, and, and the, oh, yeah. the thing is, is it isn't quite adjusting. I think we all believe we are going to quit adjusting. We talked about in earlier podcasts. And, and I really do believe it's a trusting of God that he cares about us, he loves us, and he's going to take care of us. I think it always keeps coming back to one thing for me mm. in this. And maybe I'm going to be like a one-trick pony for this podcast, for this one. But I just think it's a matter of like, hey, if the spirit is always at work. We know that. And the Father is always at work, and we look for what the Father is doing. And I think maybe what we should be doing, leading our churches, is asking that simple question. Yeah, what is the Spirit doing? And and read Blackaby experiencing God. But do we really want to go back to Egypt? I think that's what you... Yeah, that's original. (laughs) Do we really want to go back to Egypt? How about let's just... Let's not allow Egypt to stop us because you think about the 10 the 10 spies that came back right okay all right we're gonna like this podcast just took a hard left turn and we only have two minutes right (laughs) but but you think about the the spies that came back with a like they were they were slaves you know who had seen god do amazing things and they came back and they looked at the challenge and here's what they said they said we were like grasshoppers. We felt like grasshoppers in their eyes, and we looked the same to them. And, of course, I always wanted to ask them, really? You walked up to one of those guys and said, do I look like a grasshopper? And they said, yeah, that was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> but but if you're in a survivalist mentality, like, I just want to survive, mm-hmm. and you sort of have this like poor self-esteem anyway as a congregation, and now you're being asked to take new territory during tough times, you can't take a step of faith if you're just thinking about survival. Mm-hmm. If you if you're coming from no, listen, the most high God is living in you and through you and has a mission for you to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Hear this, Pastor. Uh if you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, it sounds like they're, you know, they're ripping on uh, the way that we deal with this crisis. No, that's not I don't think that's what anybody's saying. I think what we're saying is that God is in the storm. In this particular storm, he's guiding us, he's moving us, but not backwards. The objective was never to move us into ease or comfort. The objective is to move us into greater uh, trust and to greater need for his fellowship, fellowship with our God. So as odd as this sounds, this should be a hopeful uh, episode for you. Because because at the end of the day is you don't have to survive. You don't have to live in a a, a world where things will go back to Egypt. We don't have to go back there. We don't have to go back to the labor that wore us out last time. Right. And I think that's what makes it hopeful for me. And I think it should make it hopeful for you is God has some really good things in in store, I think, on the other end of this. And we will promise that we'll be back uh, and we will complete this conversation or at least move forward on it and talk about the things that you can move forward into and uh, some real positive steps uh, into the future. Uh, Not assuming anything on God, just trusting him for the next day. Hey, in the meantime, thanks. This is Doug with Steve, Mike. 
I want to thank, as always, our producer, Leanne Swihart. Thanks, Leanne. And I also want to thank the great voice of the Dirt Road Circuit Routers podcast, Carl Miller, for making us sound like we know what we're doing. In the meantime, hey, visit our, our friends at Orange. Uh, they are really about helping the rural community. That's a little shout out. We received nothing except oranges for that, I think. So uh, that's it. <laughs> and I will talk to you again soon. Until then, God bless. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. Multiplyvineyard.org slash smalltownusa. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org. Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com. For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.